Hello listener, it's the host of Campbell's Football's Grant Campbell here, with a message to every one of you listening to this podcast. Please keep safe during this very stressful time with the outbreak of coronavirus affecting not just football, but our everyday lives. Make sure your friends and family are safe during this very stressful time for many of us, not just physically, but mentally too. But Campbell's Footballs will still be producing podcasts. However, there will be very few predictions because obviously there's not much football going on at the moment. I have a few in-conversation specials though, which I'm sure you would love to listen to. But at the end of the day, please make sure that you look after yourselves. Take the time to listen to the show in your own home, with friends and family. And remember that we are all in this together. So take care, be safe, and I'll see you soon. So it's time for another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I'm joined this week by a fellow podcaster, um, Callum McFadden. Callum, a warm welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to join you. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of your show, Grant. Yeah, I'm very pleased to have you on as well and really learn about a bit more about what your own podcast is all about as well. But my first question that I always ask to every guest who comes on the show, what made you want to follow football as a sport and get involved in football in the first place? I think really it was just um, growing up. I, I, from primary school, I, I remember... Really, I started kicking the ball like everyone did when they were very young, and it wasn't until I, I, I would say primary three that I would try and get into the, the school about quarter past eight in the morning. I would, would me and the, the guys and, and the girls in, in my kind of primary would, would be outside playing football before school, rushing out at break time, rushing home afterwards. And for me, I've got an interesting kind of football background. My mum's side of the family are all Celtic fans. My dad's side of the family are all Rangers fans. <laughs> so it's interesting. So basically, a funny story for you is when I was growing up, my dad bought a Rangers strip with Ali McCoyst on the back of it when I yeah. was very young. And my mum said, there is no way he's wearing that. <laughs> so I never, I never wore the strip um, because of uh, my mum and dad split when I was young. I grew up a Celtic fan, first and foremost, because that's what I was brought up in. Yeah. And uh, sadly, my dad passed away when I was 14. And even when he passed away, he still had that shirt in his drawer yeah. unopened, which just shows you the power of football. Absolutely. But um, basically, the, the, as I say, football for me, I got involved at primary school. My dad being Rangers, me being brought up in a Celtic background, Greenock Morton's our local club, and that united us. Um, obviously, my dad was never going to take me to Celtic games, I was never going to go to Rangers games. So, as a family, my mum's taken me to Capelo, my dad's uncles, cousins, so many people have taken me to Capelo, and because of the nature of my upbringing, my dad and I had season tickets at Capelo, and, and for me, Morton were the team that brought us together, so... Mm-hmm. In terms of your questions, I know it's a long answer, but no, basically just the love of playing football from a young age at primary school and, and growing up in amongst it, as I say, even my mum, every single person in my family is just a football fanatic, yeah. obviously in different sets of the, the West of Scotland divide, if you will, but yeah. football is just something that's always surrounded my life and something that 
I can safely say I absolutely love the bits I know it's the most important or the least important things as we say but for me I just think it's the best game in the world yeah what a complex relationship that must be to be brought up with one half of your family following Celtic and one half of your family following Rangers we ever taken it that was that ever brought into a school domain at all did people sort of take the mick out of you or wind you up about that sort of stuff because I know that that's happened to well I don't think that's ever happened to anybody I know it's something yeah it's a good point um, I think because the way I was brought up it was kind of I had no real option as I say I stayed with my mum but my mum's always brought me up and um, in terms of my mum's side of the family they are Celtic fanatics season ticket holders etc so I never really had much choice but you're right as I, as I got a wee bit older and as I through primary school and started high school people always found it quite funny the situation yeah. because my dad obviously was a big Rangers fan and, and it was something that I, I, yeah you're right people do laugh at and, and make light of but I think at the same time people were always kind of weirdly interested in it yeah. and obviously the Morton situation there are Morton fans out there who always say to me we'll never accept you as a fan of our club because you, you're a Celtic fan and this and that but for me I know for them it's hard to understand but with the upbringing I had mm. Morton means an awful lot to me because Absolutely. as I say it was the club that brought my dad and I together so, so for some people it's one of those strange things how can you grow up in a Celtic background have a love for Celtic and then claim to have this love for yeah. Morton yeah. well as I've explained to you that the, that the, the upbringing and the unique situations are the reason why and I know Absolutely. for most people that's hard to take in and appreciate but that's just the way my upbringing in my life's been so yeah. to me it's normal to me that's just life yeah. that's the way my life's always been mm-hmm. but I can understand why some people think it is strange and interesting no absolutely I mean I know a lot of people up my neck of the woods aren't Aberdeen fans and you know I, I, I go into my local pub obviously not at the moment because of coronavirus but you know we always chat to people about the, the football and, and realise that even though they were brought up in the northeast of Scotland they, they aren't Aberdeen fans they either support Rangers because of their family history or they support Celtic because of you know religious traits and other things like that and it's quite interesting to see how these sorts of things evolve together to to, to be the to be like what club you support. I mean, I mean, as I'm, you know, I follow, I follow a lot of clubs in England. You know, I I support Manchester United probably because of the culture. But my whole family, especially my mom, is a big Liverpool fan, and you know, there's always a bit of rivalry there. My dad follows Manchester City, so there's a, there's a very interesting dynamic within my own household. But it's really interesting to hear that an even more complex uh, um, situation with yourself. Let's talk a little bit about Morton because you know, a really good old-fashioned Scottish club. Uh, what got you into supporting Morton? We, we've kind of supported about that, but what's your first real memories of going to Capolo and, and just following such a very high-profile team, certainly even now? I think my first memories, as I say, were just, I remember, I think it was 2000 and 2001 or 2002 it's, it was, I was only about 6 or years old at the time and I remember going and the club were in Division 2 or League 1 as it's now called mm. and I remember going to a first game and it was against Cowden Beath um, it was either 2-0 or 2-1 it's one of those hazy ones to remember but I just vividly remember going and I remember that because my dad always said to me we're playing the Blue Brazil today yeah. and I remember as a kid <laughs> being totally bamboozled with this thing Blue Brazil what's he on about yeah. and then yeah. obviously you grow up and you realise it's just a nickname and things but it was interesting and in terms of Capolo what I, what I love about Capolo for me is it's not changed Yeah, I started going in 2001 2002 season and 
for me it's the exact same now when you walk in the faces you see are, are very similar um, the stadium itself for me is an absolute throwback to a previous era and as a club for Morton are just they're just a club that, that I do have a really love for in my heart and, mm-hmm. and I wish Morton all the best when I, when I go and watch Morton yeah. um, even doing the podcast or, or writing a match report on it it's hard not to get caught up in it Absolutely. because I just have such a, a, a love for the club I mean yeah. growing up for me when I started going it was the likes of Scott Bannerman and Alex Williams they were the sort of guys who they were forward players who I really liked watching then I remember the season where we went from the, the hoops to the stripes and Paul McGowan came on loan yeah. from Celtic yes. um, in the second division and he was absolutely outstanding I remember that season vividly Chris Miller and Jim McAllister who are now back at the club those were my heroes growing up yeah. and then now they're back at the club and having met them and spoken to them a few times it's surreal because um, as I say it's just a club that has get, has meant so much to me and my family and another player I'd be daft not to mention sorry is Andy McLaren yes, I remember him scoring a corner I remember him scoring a corner kick at Capelo and I remember that's one of the first times of live football, football where I thought to myself wow I have never seen anything like that yeah I mean my first memories of supporting Aberdeen I mean my grandfather was a massive Aberdeen fan God bless his soul passed away last year uh, but my dad um, who was a Rangers fan <laughs> took, it, took that to one side uh, took myself and my granda to the football I was about 7 I think it was about 98-99 we were playing St Johnston at Pataudry um, we were a goal down very early on I think George O'Boyle scored uh, for St Johnston and all I remember from the game uh, is two things one Stephen Frail handballing to give Aberdeen a penalty which he and Jess I think equalised from the spot um, and I, I couldn't remember who got the winner I think it was Robbie Winters but one of the other things I'll always remember is Jim Layton clearing the ball right out of the Merkelin stand at Pataudry and just thinking to myself how the hell are they going to get the ball back <laughs> just, just <laughs> random things like that and you know I, I, I don't go to Pataudry as much as I should you know my next game I went after that with my dad we went to see them play Rangers in 2000 it was 1-1 um, Kato Gundvine scored for the Dons I can't remember who scored for Rangers I think it was Barry Ferguson it finished 1-1 anyway um, I think it was just around about the time when Rangers were playing Champions League football and, and I remember at the time Aberdeen were going through the time with um, Skodal and they were having a really difficult time or, or certainly on the pitch and off the pitch there was you know they ended up bottom of the league the, that season I think it was even though they reached two cup finals but I just remember thinking you know what I, I do like Aberdeen they're my home club they're my sort of hometown area and I, and I you know I had a few mates nowadays who I go to the games with I just I just like to people to fall in love with the history of Aberdeen but also to, to get a bit of a feel of what it's like to be in South Korea a bit of a similar sort of way to Capolo really I mean I, I've never been to, to Morton's Ground but I've driven well I've been past it in the car I don't drive but I've been past it and it's a it's a very fantastic old fashioned stadium and he needs some of these old fashioned stadiums because they've got character don't they they do, and I must say, I didn't know you'd never been to Capelo, and I must say, you've, you've got to get down. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, I, know. it's I, I was going to say get down when it's a nice day, but that, that's <laughs> unpredictable even in July, but... Yeah. Um, it's something that's a ground that, as I say, it's a throwback to a previous era of Scottish football. And, and, and I don't mean it negatively when I say this, but you look at stadiums like the new Tottenham Stadium and um, yeah, even the Emirates. Love, lovely big arenas, big balls, incredible. The facilities are absolutely outstanding. But as you mentioned with Pataudry and Capelo, those are 
I don't want to be patronising the fans of, uh, of Arsenal and Tottenham, but those are real football stadiums. Yeah. They are, those stadiums are what you would call traditional, true mm. and pure football stadiums where the history, the heritage is there. Yes. And no matter if you build a new venue, you'll never take that history and heritage right. away from Pataudry and Capolo because, as I say, they're just venues that have seen so much, they've experienced so much, as of the fans that follow the clubs. Yeah. Let's talk about football in a more general sense. Who were your heroes growing up? both in a footballing sense, but also just characters outside of football. Heroes growing up, um, I would say the, the, the person who I absolutely loved as a as a child and idolised completely was um, David Beckham. Yeah. Um, being Scottish, that's something that could be controversial for some people, but yeah. in terms of Man United, that's the English side I follow because my dad spent time working down south with um, sort of National Rail mm. in the kind of Salford type area. So yeah. for me, it was a case of, again, had no choice. That was the sort of English team I was, I was brought up following. And, and David Beckham for me just I just found I just found his talent for free kicks especially being as I say five, six, seven when I really get into football seeing someone be able to take a free kick and hit a dead ball to me just it was like it was like he was a magician yes. and that's what I always remember so I would say David Beckham was my, my main footballing hero obviously you have to mention players like Henrik Larsson yeah. um, he's another one who I just thought was, was absolutely outstanding and I feel Privileged to have grown up, been able to watch him live yes, um, and, and, and experience that. Um, a player who I didn't grow up watching as such, but a player who I would say is a football and hero of mine up there with them all is Matt Letizia. Yes, I think Matt Letizia is. I've read his book. I watched his. I've watched his film. He's just for me. He's just for me. He's what a, a, a true footballer is in the sense that wasn't the fittest player. Wasn't all about sports science, but by God, did he have talent yeah, and, and didn't he show it off? And and you have question about guys outside of football that were that were heroes is, is, is a very good one as well. Um, that's one that's a bit harder to think about. But um, let me think. I think I've always liked my music. Um, I, maybe not. I would say six, seven, eight, of course. But as I went through high school, I was always interested in Oasis. That's my favourite mm. band. So mm. I like Noel Gallagher because yeah. he's a football fan and he's passionate. Yeah. Johnny Marr is another one who I really think um, someone Man I like listening to. <laughs> and um, the kind of Manchester music scene um, is, is the music scene that I really love. And yeah. So I would say Noel Gallagher, Johnny Marr are sort of guys outside yeah. and out with um, football that I look up to. One, because of their immense talent, but two, also because, again, it's always linked. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're massive football fans as well. Yeah, I think from my point of view, I mean, Russell Anderson is one of my heroes as an Aberdeen fan. You know, I, I really was delighted when they won the, the League Cup in 2014. You know, he, he deserved some success for that. You know, you obviously got probably Andy Considine of the kind of older generation coming towards the end of his career still there at the time. Um, just another one that has just been fantastic. I never, I always criticised Considine, but you can understand, you know, he, he wears for the, he plays for the shirt. In the same way he ingested, it was kind of towards the end of his career when I started falling, but he's probably the one sort of Aberdeen player I can hang my hat on. Jim Layton is another one who, you know, I have a huge immense talent. You know, he represented his country, he represented Man United, uh, absolutely quality player. In terms of English players, you mentioned David Beckham. I'm, I'm going to mention Ryan Giggs. You know, Ryan Giggs for me, just just sort of um, illustrated what Manchester United were. Um, quality on the counter-attack, playing for the shirt, and just quality in terms of goals. And the, the goal he scored in that FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal will for me be one of the best ever footballing goals. 
Um, in terms of people outside of football, um, I, one of my idols growing up was Rob McLean, and uh, I'm delighted that I've had him on the show before. Um, I really enjoyed following his commentary growing up, um, watching Scottish Cup finals growing up. And the man just speaks you through the game. And he, it, even if you're not a massive football fan, it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, 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 the small details, but also just making it an experience for the viewer watching. And Martin Tyler goes in that list to a point. But for me, in a Scottish sense, Ron McLean. In terms of other people that I really like, I, I really like a lot of football journalists. So uh, you, 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 we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. But you mentioned Hugh Keevans, um, who you've interviewed. I mean, I'm, I really like him as a as a journalist. I think he's he can be a little bit uh, controversial at times, but I do like some of his points of views. And you know, his his font of knowledge is something to behold. I think so, I agree, and I must say, um, football journalism is something that um, I, I follow too. In terms of the football journalists who are my my favourites, I really enjoy uh, Gab Marcotti. He's yes. someone who I look up to a lot. Um, yeah. He's someone who actually is going to be on the podcast soon, really? and I, I can't believe that because he's someone who... I just love listening to his on ESPN FC in yes. America quite a lot. Yeah. And what I like about Gab is, same as yourself, you love your stats. Gab has got a way of... of uh, he, he understands the argument. He doesn't yeah. just say things to be outrageous. He tries to be balanced. Yeah. He tries to use stats when they're needed. Yeah. And I think what I like about him is he challenges the sort of former players and pundits in a respectful way. Also love listening to um, Julian Laurent, who's another yes. one who's on that show. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant too. In terms of more UK-based, um, Derek Ray, Rob McLean, absolutely. these guys you've mentioned, very good. Ian Crocker, another absolutely. one who him on as absolutely... Well iconic um, as well and in a, in a more UK sense too I really like the work of Mark Ogden um, mm. he was very influential when, when Sir Alex was retiring in terms of breaking stories um, and, 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 and I must say other guys who are like football presenters when you look up to for me Jeff Sterling for me yeah. he is when you talk about what football is is a, is a sport it's 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 uplifting it's yeah. funny there's humor there's passion Absolutely. for me jeff sterling represents football incredibly yeah. well for i think when you in a saturday afternoon if you can't watch a live game you're, you're in the house and you've got sky sports news or when it's on i think if you sit in and watch jeff sterling when those results come in you almost feel as if you are there Absolutely. as part of it which for me is, is outstanding yeah, I think the two I would add to that list. I'm a really big fan of Mark Pugach. I think he's a really good presenter. You know, he's done a lot of stuff on ITV and also for BT Sport. But my side one as well, and an absolute hero of mine growing up, watching Gazetta, James Richardson. Oh, you know, what a guy! Know, I mean, one of my idols. Um, I, I followed Gazetta for many years in the '90s, and I listened to Totally Football Show podcast stations and all of that. The guy is just a font of knowledge, especially on Italian football. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Calm. Let's move on to talk about your own podcast, uh, the Football CFB podcast. Can you explain to people who may not be aware of it, what you do with it? Um, basically, well, before I do that, I, I always say this, I was speaking to a few primary schools recently and the thing the kids were asking me was, what does CFB stand for? And I say this to everyone that asks me, I always feel as if I'm disappointing them. I wish I could come back with some witty, exciting, cool answer, but really it just stands for Callum's football blog. And all the kids kind of look at me when I tell them that story as if, 
oh, I was hoping it was going to be <laughs> something like a secret code, and I said, maybe you can invent a secret code that could, that could become it, but um, that's, that's it. But the premise basically is, just like yourself, we're passionate football fans, and the way I'm trying to approach it and is, is from a point of view of, I think... I love listening to, to lots of podcasts. Jamie Carragher's podcast at the yes. moment is brilliant. Open goals, very good. You're doing a wonderful podcast yourself. Oh, totally football. There's so many outstanding podcasts out there and, and they've all got different styles. And that's okay because I think people want different styles. 100%. My style is just... Basically, I want to try and get guys who are involved and women who are involved in football um, onto my show. And basically, I want to just let them lead the conversation yeah my role with the podcast i don't see myself as a star i don't see myself as being somebody that people overly want to listen to yeah. i just see myself as being the person who introduces it and the person who sort of guides the conversation yeah. through and what i try and do is ensure the guest speaks um, can speak as far as long as possible and what I mean is they can actually go in depth in terms of what their opinions are in football and their career Absolutely. with a little interruption and then as I say myself just, just jigging it along yeah, no, it's fantastic, and I, I've been listening to quite a lot of your episodes. Not all the, not the middle of the morning, still a backlog to listen to, but I really enjoyed listening to uh, your Hugh Keevans one, um, along with many others that you have. Can you explain some of the guests that you've had on? I met, we mentioned Hugh already, but you've had people like you went and interviewed Richard Gordon, for example, recently, haven't you? Yeah, I interviewed Richard at the BBC recently, and, and Richard is someone who, obviously, you're a, a, a big dandy as well, so he, he was fascinating because I think the reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to speak to Richard is because unless you are an Aberdeen supporter and you understand Richard's history in that neck of the woods, lots of people just see Richard as the guy who's on off the ball for 10 minutes and does open all mics and hosts yes. it, whereas what I wanted to do was just talk to him about his love for football, his love for Aberdeen, and obviously what he did do which is going to be interesting to hear is he's picked a best ever Scottish football 11 since he's That'll been watching be the game and his best Aberdeen 11 yeah. and he compares them and at the end of that I put him on the spot to say who would win that game and let's just say he's absolutely torn so <laughs> bless him um, but he was, he was a great guest he was, he, was, he was wonderful in terms of other guests I've had one guy I have to mention really in particular is Christian Nadi and the reason yes. I say that is because I'll always say this the kids in the schools have been asking me who's your favourite guest who's this and I say I don't get down the favourite guest route as such but what I would say is the guest I'm most thankful to yes. is Christian Nadi and I don't mean that I'm not thankful to Craig Brown and the rest of the incredible guests I've had because I really I am but the reason I say I'm most thankful to Christian is because I got in contact with Christian I had zero episodes mm -hmm. I had a logo that I had made myself um, I didn't really have a platform as such to put the podcast out on mm. I mean, it was just going to be a blog article yeah. and Christian said try and put it out as a podcast now if you like Listen to that first episode, the audio quality, to be honest, isn't great because it was recorded on literally my phone and an old iPod. Yeah. So it's it's improved considerably since yeah. then. But I'll always be thankful to him because if football CFB is to continue growing, fantastic. Um, but I'll always be thankful to him in the sense that yeah. he gave me a chance and gave me the opportunity to speak with him when I had no previous work. Um, so he, for me, is someone who's a very special character. Um, he's had an incredible career. He's played in multiple countries. Yeah. And 
his story was, is fascinating. In terms of other guests, um, Craig Brown, you've had Craig yeah. yourself, and Hero. everyone that speaks to Craig, and you've, you, I'm sure you'll back me up in this. His knowledge of football is oh. incredible. He's so open. He's so honest. He's so he's so friendly. So and he's very is funny as well. He is, and, and, he, and he's someone who. I remember I, I, I said to Craig, he said, how long do you think it'll take, Callum? And I said, about 45 minutes, Craig. And he went, oh, sounds great. We were on the phone for three and a half hours, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he's just one of these guys who he just loves football. And yeah. Like Alex or Alex Ferguson, with guys like Craig Brown, Alex Ferguson, and uh, in terms of their age, they, they are in their sort of twilight years, as people might call it, but their love for football and their passion for football is still well and truly there, and you can just see what football means to them, absolutely. which is just absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely. And you've got quite a list coming up very soon, haven't you? You've been interviewing people like Alan Mahood, former Kilmarnock player, and Alan Stubbs. Yeah, so this week... Um, I've got Alan Stubbs on as a two-parter, one about his playing career, one about his managerial career, Alan Mahood, um, Adrian Bevington, the former head of communications at the FA, and he worked very close with Sven Joran Eriksson. Um, he's going to be on um, over the next few weeks. That Richard Gordon episode you mentioned will be um, released. Hopefully going to speak to Gab Marcotti soon. Um, an interesting interview I've got coming up that I'm looking forward to is the son of Barry Ferguson, Kyle Ferguson. Yeah. He's currently he's playing in Sweden at the moment, mm. and I'm, I'm interested to speak to him because I want to know what it was like growing up having such an icon of Scottish football as your father, and how breaking into football is it easier when your dad yeah. is such an icon of Scottish football, or is it slightly harder because of the the natural comparisons that obviously come with that? Mm-hmm. What is what is it for you that is the most enjoyable about doing a podcast? Because as as the role of a podcast like myself. I know from my point of view I have to do quite a bit of preparation because obviously I'm not a journalist I'm trying to sort of build things up as I go along even though I've got a bit of a font of knowledge you know to, to still do some prep for that is very important how much prep do you do as the host of your show? I do an awful lot of prep to be honest with you sometimes um, it's like when, when Craig came on obviously Craig's done so much in the game and he's been he's been in the game for almost oh, I say almost been in the game for half a century yes. so for Craig coming on the, the prep was I would say several hours just to make sure I was prepared in everything that I wanted to ask him. I was prepared to take off in any of the, t- the natural tangents that come with a conversation. So I would say what I try and do is um, just, as I say, prepare as best I can. Yeah. What I would say is I was lucky enough to to speak to Grant Phillips, who's the head of sort of BT Sport yes. here in Scotland, via phone call, not for the podcast yet, hopefully he'll come on soon, and he had said to me, he said, I've listened to your podcast, I think it's, it's going well, he said, some advice I'm going to give you is, don't be scared to change up the order, Yeah. and that's something that I found incredible advice, because although it seems simplistic, sometimes the most simple ideas are things that you don't think about, and I've tried to take that advice on and, and vary it up a wee bit, but mm. in terms of what I enjoy most about the podcast, to answer that question... It's not even from a podcast point of view, I'm sure you'll agree with this, just having the opportunity to speak to people you admire and people who have achieved your dream of working in football in some capacity, it's just a dream come true and I've said this at the start, I said this to you, I remember when I was speaking to you a few months ago, if I only got two listeners and that was my mum and myself, it wouldn't bother me because if I get the chance to... 
if you get the chance to speak to Craig Brown about football, for me, the dreams already came absolutely. true. No matter if, if nobody listens. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you mentioned Craig Brown for me as well as a side one. Probably speaking to Guy Mowbray r- ranks right up oh, my list. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, this is coming from a guy who's followed England at major tournaments. He's commented on many FA Cup finals. You know, an, an absolute hero of mine growing up, you know, a range of people. But also, from my point of view, it's the diversity within the game I've really enjoyed. You know, I've had people like Gary Bloom, sports psycho- psychotherapist, um, you know, who's obviously on Gazetta back in the day. I've had David McCardle on from the SFA talking about diversity and inclusion in football. You know, I've had local football fans, you know, have played at grassroots level and, and, and just seeing the difference between the training aspect there and in comparison with ex-pros that I've also had on like Matt Wilson to be coming soon and people like David McCracken and Lee Mayer and that and, and you can see the diversity and the range with that not just in Scotland but in England and further afield as well you know I've had people like Michael Clark on Northern Ireland you know Northern Irish football for me is a league that is on the up you know not just in terms of the standard of football but in terms of the commentary as well you know Michael's had the opportunity to commentate it on for Virgin Media you know that is a, that is a brand of of um, television market audience that is on the up so it, it's only going to help their careers but also the play and the style of football in around those leagues as well Absolutely, and, and as you've just said there, the, the diversity is very important. I've had um, ex-professional footballers on, um, primarily in terms of journalists. I'm, I'm, I'm up in my game in that regard because I love speaking to journalists um, and, guy, and guys and women who are involved in football. Mm. Something I must be honest, and I, and I will say on record on the podcast, I want to cover more women's football. Yes, I would love to have more um, female footballers coming on as, uh, as a guest yeah. at the moment. I have found that strangely actually more challenging yeah. than, than getting um, some male guests but I'm going to keep plugging away because Why do you think that is? Is it, is it the fact that maybe they're quite oh, I don't know, is it this lack of commitment from them or, or, do they, or do they just don't know how to approach it maybe? I think it's a case of I think the clubs, because it's ever-growing very quickly, I think mm. the clubs are naturally very protective of what they want to do. And I think that's understandable because, the, for instance, you look at the, the WSL down in England, yes. that's expanding. There's rumours of um, sponsorship going to come into that, which yeah. is going to change the game down there in a, in a really positive way. So I think at the moment it's just a case of... It's, I don't think it's any any lack of effort from any of the women footballers or clubs in particular I think at the moment because of things changing and evolving very quickly I think naturally they are just just taking their time and they're just a bit wary of what to commit to yes. and what not to commit to and, and I think it's something that yourself and, my, and, and me I think as we continue on this journey and as we show people that we're interviewing people not to get a headline out of them, not to get a big splash of so and so says this, I think you will find that we will be able to attract more female footballers and those involved within the female game to come on the podcast because it's something that I'm passionate about and and I'll be honest with you, the first um, female football match I watched live was um, the Scotland-Jamaica friendly last year Um, I worked worked between two schools last year and one of the schools got three tickets um, Mm. to the game from the SFA which was wonderful and we we took actually two buses full of of kids Mm. Um, so we went to Hamden and 
every single child, head teacher of the school, myself, we all left thinking that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. There was a family friendly atmosphere. The standard of football was, and I'm not saying this to be patronising, but the standard of football was very good. What I liked was both teams on that night. Everything was built out from the back. Rachel Corsi, I just remember coming away so impressed with with her that night. She was taking the ball and, and just always looking for an option, always looking for a pass. And Erin Cuthbert, I left I left that night watching her score an absolute beauty yes, thinking what a what a player she is. And, and in terms of female footballers, Erin Cuthbert um, is someone who I think who would be a really a, a dream guest for me. Yeah. Um, because I think she's a wonderful footballer and I think she's got a great story and, and having watched it at the World Cup last summer which was, was great to watch um, we were very unlucky especially in that Argentina game mm. which I hate to mention yeah. um, but I think she she's she's an absolute shining light yeah. as, are, as are the rest of the Scottish women's national team Yeah, that was my next question actually who are your dream guests to get on the show and I'll, I'll maybe share some of mine in terms of dream guests I could be here all day I think <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a long list. Um, so I would say Matt Letissier. Yeah, you mentioned him. Yeah, yeah. Paul Merson, Ali McCoyst, Chris Sutton. Um, let me see. Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, um, Jeff Sterling. I'd like to get people like Ian Crocker on the podcast, um, Julian Lorongs, two Scottish people who are abroad who are absolute dream guests for me are Craig Burley and Stevie Nicholl. Yeah. I think those two would be particularly interesting. Um, well, Stan Collymore's another one. Mm. He's been through a lot in his life, mental health, yeah. um, played at the highest level. Um, well, there's, there's just so many, I think. Ali McCoy, I would no, say, yeah, is definitely. one of the all-time yeah. guests in terms of I just think having the chance to speak with Ali and have a laugh and a yeah. joke about football yeah. would be a would be a pleasure for anyone regardless of what team you support. Yeah, absolutely. I think mine for me would be Ray Parler. Um, you know, not even as a Man United fan, you know, working with Alan Brazil and you know being in that Invincibles team back in the day. I, I just think some of Ray's stories would be absolutely fantastic to listen to. He's, you know, one of my one of my rival team's best players. I'd love to love to hear a little bit more from. Um, I personally would love to speak to Kenny Dalglish. You know, I think oh, the man has done so much in the game and got so much stories as well to tell. You know, I think he'd be absolutely fantastic for me. Tom Cowan and, and Stuart Cosgrove. You know, oh, absolutely. Have to, I should mention those. Have to be right up my list because you know I've grown up with my folks listening to Off the Ball. You know, every every. Saturday, um, you know, that has to rank up right highly. I've already mentioned James Richardson, who's one of my heroes, um, but you mentioned women f- women's football players. Shelley Kerr, for me, would be, would be an absolute, you know, top of the tree. I mean, I've had Emma Hunter on, Aberdeen FC women manager, you know, she's doing a fantastic job with Aberdeen FC, but, you know, it'd be really good, as you said, to get more women on the show. You mentioned Rachel Corsi as well. For, um, Kim Little, um, obviously based in the past from up here. Kelly Smith in England setup. Yep. You know people like um, Alex Scott. You know these people are really kind of coming into fruition. But if you had to ask me, one of my number one people, I'd love to go on. I, I, I definitely won't, but I would love him, Roy Keane. I mean, oh, I, mean, I mean, I mean, just sitting there listening to a guy who done the lot pretty much. Um, and I would just love to actually ask him the question: Why did? Mick McCarthy send you home. <laughs> <laughs> well, a story on Roy Keane is I'm good I'm very good friends with Phil Brown who 
works for Beyond the Pitch in America yes. and um, Phil interviewed Roy Keane for the BTP show a few years ago mm. and he was interviewing Roy for the first 20 minutes and he forgot to press record <laughs> and he realised and he had the unenviable task he was telling me this story of saying to Roy I'm really sorry because we're going to have to start again if that's okay <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair you expected I expected to hear the story of the Roy Keane deaths there and you, you're joking but he said to be fair Roy was was very nice and understanding yeah. and, and had a laugh and a joke about it and I think he was recently on Irish television on a chat show and he brought his dog on with him which was a very soft side to Roy Keane and something I think that's topical at the moment I'm sure you'll be absolutely chuffed with as I was when I heard it did you hear the way he spoke about Billy Gilmore? I've never yeah. heard Roy Keane speak like that yeah. about a young player before yeah. on his on his punditry, whether that's with England, with Sky. Yeah. I've never heard him be be so complimentary. I thought it was brilliant. And so many people really talking him up. There is one other guest I'd love to have on, and that's Michael Stewart. You know, you mentioned Chris Sutton and Ali McCoy's. For me, Michael Stewart is a very no-nonsense um, pundit. I think he speaks for every club apart from Celtic and Rangers I think he's very balanced, I think he's very fair and I just want to know, So, I mean I, I listened to his podcast with Simon Ferry a while back and just the stories of being at Man United being at, playing for Hibs and for Hearts just play for both sides of the Edinburgh divide just fantastic, I think I think that would go right up on my list in terms of, in terms of your you know, when you're doing your interviews how, how much travelling would you do? Do you have to travel quite far to do some of this stuff or do you do quite a lot of stuff remotely? I started out very remote and um, it was good. The audio quality was okay. It wasn't... Um, it's not, it's not, you know yourself, over the phone can be hard to get it the exact way you want it. Yeah. Um, so I moved to more face-to-face -face and Andy McLaren was my first ever face-to-face -face interview. Yeah, another um, he was absolutely incredible. I've stayed in touch with him since. He's been very helpful. Um, Hugh Keevans, we recorded over the phone, and Hugh said, be honest with me, how's the quality? And I said, the quality, it was okay. And he says, right, okay's not good enough. Come in to Clyde. We'll sit down, we'll do it, which was wonderful. Brilliant. In terms of travelling, um, I'm willing to travel um, far. Obviously, the current situation is going to change that. Absolutely. I'd arrange to to meet up with Willie Miller at some point yeah, this year um, yeah. and that would involve obviously travelling up north but obviously with the current situation that might a lot of the podcasts now might have to be over the phone yeah. um, but in terms of travelling I'm willing to travel yeah. um, very far I've got really amazing lights now with, with Chester Football Club down in England yeah. I'm, I'm very close friends with, with Paul Bodman who's the director there and he came on the podcast last week to talk about how fan ownership has worked for Chester yes. and it was fascinating because he was very honest about it he answered questions such as in the transfer market how do you raise money if the managers want a player he also answered the question of if you get to the, the National League or you get to League 2 do you then have to get a, a, a benefactor to come in and bankroll it because will fans be able to sustain a club realistically in the in the football league to an extent where you're not just fighting relegation every year and he didn't shirk a question and yeah. he's been someone who I'd like to give a special, a special mention to in this yeah, podcast yes. because Paul and everyone at Chester Football Club I went through a wee bit of a tough spell last mm. year and, and they supported me every step of the way and yeah. they've invited me down I went away down the game get postponed so I ended up going to Corris Key Nomads which yes. is another incredible day yes. and another incredible club but with Chester I, I, I just hope everything can calm down 
in the near future and I can get down because I'm, I'm a member of the fans ownership group at Chester now oh, yeah. so technically a joint owner of the club which is bonkers um, but absolutely uh, since speaking to Paul and getting a relationship with the football club and him I just wish that club nothing but the best because yeah. they're run by so many volunteers they are completely fan owned the fans vote on the directors the fans vote on the remit and who they want to do it and it's all democratic and it's streamed as well the meetings are streamed uh, privately to you if you are a member of City Fans yeah. United so in terms of that I think it's fascinating and I'm absolutely loving being a part of it Yeah, you mentioned Chester I mean I go there for family holidays most years and I've never been to a Chester game sadly but I, I just love the, the city of Chester it's, oh, it's amazing and it's, it's a really really good place but you mentioned Conaski Nomads because I've had Andy Mollison on the show yeah. you actually went to a Conaski Nomads game didn't you? I did, so basically I was going down to Chester versus Gateshead, Paul had invited me down and said um, come on down and, and I'll show you around the club, you can have hospitality and I host the Legends Lounge, you can meet the managers etc, so I was looking forward to it and Mary Ann, my girlfriend and I were travelling down on the train, excited uh, we got to Liverpool Lime Street, about to change for the train to Chester and then it was announced the game was postponed, mm. so we arrived in Chester thinking, right, we were invited down for, for this match this was what the whole weekend was planned around what we're we going to do and um, it got to the point where a lot of the games nearby were being called off Tranmere Rovers was called off etc right. so I thought right there's no chance at any football so um, I was in a position where I thought right there's going to be no game and Ben McNichol, who's a Hamilton Ackies fan, who I met at my first ever live game I covered, which was Hamilton Edinburgh City, um, he said have you considered Corris Key Nomads um, I think they'll be on. Here is the, an email for them. Why don't you email them? So I emailed them and sent them a message on Twitter. And the club came back to me straight away saying, if you can get here tomorrow, you can get into the stadium. We'll give you access to the manager. We'll give you access to the, the press lounge, wow. etc. And when I went there, I can honestly say it's the most incredible hospitality I've ever received from the yeah. moment Mary Ann and myself got there we were made to feel welcome we um, met Andy before the game we met him after the game, yeah. interviewed the players he presented me with a, a signed shirt from all the players for, for going down, uh, travelling so far which was wonderful And after it we went into the, 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 the social club that the club's got and we sat with fans um, Trevor is their stadium sort of match day coordinator um, he's a guy who's in his late 50s and, and he was just absolutely incredible the stories he was telling us about their travels in Europe, yeah. they beat Stabek in Europe and he showed me a picture I'll need to try and find it for you he said what do you notice about that picture and it's just like the, the guys all celebrating I says, um, I can't remember. I think I said something like, "Oh, he's only got one boot or something on." Something just trying to make an observation because didn't really know what to say. And he said to me, "Look at our captain. What's he got in his hand?" And I took a closer look and I went, "That's quite strange. It looks like a card." And he says, "That's the owner's credit card." He said, "If we beat, he said, if we beat, if we beat Stabek away and we beat them and go through, you can have my credit card and go to the bar all night." <laughs> That's a fantastic story. And I could. And I could not believe it. So wow. um, he showed me that picture and uh, the captain 
um, George Horan came in and uh, Trevor said I was telling Callum about that story and he was just laughing he says yeah it's true he says well, I yeah. think we spent we spent a, a, let's just say we spent a four figure sum that night yeah I bet I bet because <laughs> you, you've had the opportunity to go to Wales I mean it's a real pain that this coronavirus came into effect because I was actually going to be going to see Glentoran Linfield this coming week until the, the flybee went bust the coronavirus went to hell and so I'm going to give a big shout to the Waffle Irish League podcasters who are listening to this because they do a podcast in, in, in Belfast or in the area talking about Northern Irish football and really building up the game and uh, I fell in love with that league and uh, I followed Coleraine they were, a, they were a team who I felt played a similar style of football to Aberdeen and it was quite funny because obviously Oren Kearney was manager at the time, yeah. and then he went over to the Scottish League to manage St Mirren so I kept following his progress at St Mirren and still kept following Coleraine as well and obviously they, they won the Irish Cup in 2016, 2017 um, trying to remember, I think it was 2017 and then obviously last year they're battling with uh, Linfield for the title obviously not looking like winning it at the moment but you know uh, that that would be my dream to go and watch an, an Irish League game and I was one probably good at what well, I was really hoping to go to Glentor and Linfield which would be the big derby over there which is the big two derby but that's not going to happen but your game in Wales um, really um, is fascinating I just wanted to, to, to ask a question because you're you're in in your room behind you we're obviously recording this over WhatsApp call you've got some amazing football memorabilia and shirts behind you <laughs> any highlights Highlights for you? Um, I'll show you. Um, the highlight was I went down to Manchester United against um, Watford when it was only Gunnar Solskjaer's first um, match in permanent charge. Mm. And I went to the game. It was actually interesting. I think also United started to dip after all he was given the job permanently. And yes. to be honest, that day even at Watford, we won 2-0, but you could, you could you could see that dip in intensity, to be honest. But one 2 now and after the game, um, stayed behind after the game and Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer came out after as did some of the players and and um, he signed he signed my, my shirt. He, he spent time speaking to me. Um, I met Lad Mata. I went back to the hotel and it was obviously hotel football and met Nicky Butt, which was I just he was just in having his breakfast the next morning, which was bonkers. So um, the only meeting Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, um, I would say, is a highlight. Um, obviously, I've got my McConnell's Key Nomads talk, yeah, which the club right. gave me, which which means a lot to me. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, meet Paul Merson. Um, a couple of years ago in Dundee, um, and he was absolutely brilliant. Um, he he um, very kindly um, had a, I had a photo of him I brought with me, and he kindly signed that for me. Um, so in terms of memorabilia, I, I, I collect not to sell on. I collect for myself. I, yeah. I collect match programs. So I've got match programs from um, all over all over the world, really. Um, something I think in terms of memorabilia that means a lot personally. I'd like to highlight, obviously, Ryan Gold, who wrote me a letter recently. Wow. Um, I was I was through a tough time, as I said, last year, and I've been following Ryan because I like seeing Scottish players abroad do well. I work with Robbie Crawford, who's now playing in America at Charleston Battery. I work with his brother, so I follow Robbie's career closely as well. And I was going through a tough time, and, and, and when, when I received a letter from Sporting Club Faranese and, and, and Ryan, I just I was absolutely speechless. I just mm. thought, um, it's incredible. I was supposed to be going to Portugal um, to um, on holiday. Uh, in April and I was going to be going to the Porto Menese home game against Maritimo um, I was hoping to maybe see if I could 
speak to Ryan when I was out there because he's based in Faro, which is very close to where I was yeah. going in Albufeira. And sadly, that's as you've mentioned with coronavirus, it's just so much has came to an end. But yeah. um, that was something that, in terms of personal memorabilia, um, he sent me a letter as did Paul Lambert, which again was just just the most incredibly kind thing. Yeah. Anyone you don't expect. It's incredible. Yeah, no, it's quite fantastic. I mean, I mean the the the, the stuff that you're doing with your uh, with your career and you know oh yeah, your uh, a range of um, a range of merchandise there and it's just absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I certainly don't have as much as what you have. That's for sure. Probably the best thing I have in in my room, not in this not in this room, but um, my bedroom. I've got a signed shirt from the Dons um, League Cup winning team in 2014. And that's probably wow. ranks up there, but you know nothing compared to what you have. But you you mentioned about mental health. I mean, we we, we cannot underestimate how important having strong mental health is. I mean, I mean, how how are you now? You sound like you're in really good form. Um, is that the case? Yeah, um, basically. Last year, as I say, it was just a, a very, a very tough time, and I wrote an article on it very openly and honestly. It's very hard to write, but I felt that I the recent situation. The, the recent situation with, with, with young people in Inverclyde where I'm based and also in Motherwell um, with their fans group I've had quite a few um, young males taking their own lives I felt yeah. it was time to speak out and basically I just I said it in the article I, I went through a stage where I started to feel unhappy unsatisfied mm. unlike me but there was no specific reason for that because in the background I've got everything in my life I could possibly ever want and need I've got a good job uh, I've got an amazing girlfriend I've got an amazing family a really strong group of friends and basically the reason I decided to write the article and speak out about it is because it can affect anyone Absolutely. it doesn't It doesn't matter what your pay packet is it doesn't matter um, what you've got in your life these feelings can come into your, your mind for a variety of reasons and I think obviously myself been through quite a few bereavements from a young age I think these things are always going to catch up on you for want of a better phrase and, and it was inevitable that would happen but no in terms of I, I, I did everything that I had to do um, it was tough it's a very tough through a couple of months I would say the toughest time um, of my whole life I, I make no bones about that it yeah. was tough I, when you're in that situation and people say don't worry you'll feel better soon it feels improbable it and to be honest it probably feels impossible um, but now Six months on, um, basically the reason I started the podcast is because of my mental health Absolutely. in the sense that yeah. I was going through a tough spell on the road to Phil Brown and, and Daniel G, sports lawyer, and said I really admire your work, football, reading, my family, friends have kept me going, but I've really loved reading and listening to your work, both of you, and both of them unbelievably said, thanks for email, we'd like to give you a call to speak to you. Wonderful. Both guys know each other a wee bit, but they don't know each other in terms of being being close friends or anything. So it was interesting that the response was the same, and they spoke to me, and they both said, "You sound very knowledgeable at football. Why aren't you doing anything with it?" And I says, "Well, I had the grades to do journalism at school. I never pursued it, um, and I, I feel that the dream's passed. I'm doing. I'm teaching now. Love it. The dream's gone." And both of them said the same thing. But it's not. You need to start, and you must start now. So I started 
first week in January, as I say, expecting to have two listeners and, and go from there. And since then, it's been just over 13,000 listeners. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're, you, were sitting, you were sitting, was it second or third behind Open Goal and Jimmy Carragher? I mean, that is just extraordinary. Yeah, so in terms of the UK, it was bonkers. So basically, in terms of UK-based football podcasts that were trending at that point, it was open goal was... Sorry, Jamie Carragher was top, open goal was in second place. And then, technically, I was sixth on the list, but the other ones were American football. So in terms of UK-based football, it was it was third trending, which was Fantastic. which was bonkers. Yeah. Unbelievable. And as I say, I, it was interesting when I spoke to the children in, in, in schools I visited recently, I've asked me to go in, they say, oh, you're making money, you're doing this, and I say... I've not made a single penny nope, from this, and that's what the aim. The aim is to to talk to footballers, talk to those involved in football, talk to people like yourself that clearly love the game. Yeah. Because we all, all of us that love football, love the game at all levels. I think if you're, again, I don't want to sound patronising to saying it, but I think if you're a, a, foot, a true football fanatic, it doesn't matter if it's the Champions League final or it's the grassroots team playing in a, a cup final down the local park. Yeah, football is football to someone that loves the game. And, and and for me, it's just a pleasure speaking to, speaking to people like yourself. I mean, it doesn't need to be Pep Guardiola. I'm speaking to if I'm speaking to someone that loves football like yourself it's like this today it's been an absolute pleasure I've loved every minute of it and that's that really leads on to my very last question which is a very poignant one how far can this go what is the what is the end goal for you with this I'll be honest when I started I say out with three aims the three aims I started out with were as of January I said by June I want to have 300 followers on Twitter by December I want to have 500 followers on Twitter and both of those <laughs> mentally um, they went through the roof and I passed past those in four weeks which was completely unexpected um, then I thought to myself my third big game was to, is to appear as a guest on Off the Ball with Stuart and Tam and I've said that the date is that because I thought I've set up with three aims that's what Daniel and Phil said start stay yeah. up with three aims go with those three aims we achieve those three aims make another three and just keep going that way so yeah. that's, the, that's the last main aim I've got um, I set a goal of July 2021 for that will it ever happen? probably not but it's a dream and, and who knows you just um, never know you just never know and in terms of the aim long term it's Basically, it's it's all a dream and I enjoy it. I've been doing a wee bit of work with Greenwich Morton, doing a podcast with them, mm. um, kind of sporadically, which has been great. I'm now working with my local junior team, Greenwich Juniors, as their head of media. Basically, that just involves film and training sessions, a pre-match interview with the management team and a few players. And both clubs have been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Both roles are unpaid. Um, but again, it's as we've said at the start, you're the exact same. This isn't about finance. It's not. It's enjoyment and love of the game. Absolutely, love of the game, and I'm not going to be. I'm not going to pretend if someone said to me, "We'd love to back your podcast," or "We'd love you to to write for us," um, or "We'd love you to produce something for us." I would consider it very seriously, but at the end of the day, I've got a, a great job in teaching. Yeah. Um, I've no intention of of of. of ceasing to be a teacher it's something that I love doing but my dream has always been to work in football media whether that be with a club whether that be um, for a broadcaster um, but I think long term the unrealistic game that people will laugh at when they listen to this I would love to one day host a sort of radio show about football um, you look at someone you've had in your podcast and I'm desperate to get on soon Gordon Duncan yeah. I love listening to Gordon because he's He's a relatively young guy. Yep. 
like me and you, he's a love for football. He's articulate. He doesn't sensationalise things, and you can tell he's a love for the game every yeah. time you listen to him. And so, he, and he's got with big characters on that show because we mentioned Hugh. You've got Alex Ray, Mark Wilson, Gordon Diel. These are big names in in football, and he has to anchor that. And I don't envy him. And I said that on my podcast, and I thought it was a fantastic insight. Just opening that lid and just finding out some of the stories. I think that's really, really good. Callum, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. We've come to the end of our interview now. Um, I've just, I would just like to kind of wrap things up. That's, I know this sounds really silly because we've got no football at the moment, but what's your big prediction for the next couple of years in football? The next couple of years in football are potentially very big. We're talking about, at the elite level, the Champions League and European football potentially changing um, the way it operates. So that's something that's worth watching out for. I think from a Scottish point of view, I think we're producing good young players. I think you look at Aaron Hickey coming through. Um, just to mention one, Billy Gilmore. Um, there's, there's so many good young players out there now. Scott McTominay, Manchester United. You've got the players at Celtic, Callum McGregor, um, Ian Tierney. Are. So these guys aren't are still got plenty of years ahead of them. So I think in terms of our game, it might not be the, the now Euro 2021 we qualify for, but I think we will be going to a major tournament. Uh, over the next few years because the players we've got coming through I believe in I think the Scottish game for me is 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 a wonderful game because we lack the finance of the English Premier League but we've got passion from the terraces Absolutely. as long as it doesn't overspill of course that's, that's to be promoted we've got uh, a structure that promotes young players coming through we've got community clubs that help out the local communities in, in so many ways and I think you know this from through your love of Northern Irish football and, and, and things like Wales football English Lower League football for me football at the elite level I absolutely love I think it's great to watch the likes of Ronaldo and Messi but as a football fanatic I equally love watching um, teams like Morton, Chester um, Albion Rovers because every single club's got their place Absolutely. every single set of supporters and stadium's got its place and the situation at the moment's unprecedented we're thinking about the finances in the game and what I would say I don't want to end in a negative but I just hope and pray really that not just in football but small businesses I just hope they can all get the support they need because football without smaller clubs and community clubs really wouldn't be the same game and to conclude as I say I hope Scotland can qualify for a major tournament in the next few years I hope young players continue to come through and I hope that football continues to flourish both at a community and grassroots level and also at the elite level of football although I do hope that the money eventually is capped because I, I said this on record last year I don't like the thought of a team finishing bottom of a division getting 150 million pounds yeah. while a team like Berry goes bust I just don't think I don't think those two things happen at the same time is a good look for anyone and I hope that we've learned a lot from that as well Callum it's been a real pleasure having you on the Campbell's Football's podcast thank you very much thank you for inviting me well listener that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs.
There's no 